The series that we have been studying uh, since Easter is, is called This I Believe, and we've been looking at what I call the fundamental truths of, of what we believe as Christ followers. What are the basic beliefs that we have as people of faith? And I frame that in terms of what I have called the big questions. What are the big questions in life? And, and there, are, there are lots of, how many of you have a lot of questions? Okay, good. You're with me. <laughs> I got lots and lots of questions, but there are these huge questions. And the first one that we began asking is, who is God? As we think about the universe, as we look at creation, we know there has to be a God. You cannot miss that. But who is God? And God has revealed himself. He's revealed himself uh, in a book uh, that we know as the Bible, his word. Uh, and so we talked about what we understand about God from uh, how do we know, which is uh, our study of the Bible, what we, this remarkably uh, 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 preserved book. I can't see it on the back wall, but maybe that would help if we switch it over. Thank you. Um, and so then the question next is, uh, how bad is it? We look at our world. How many of you look at the world and you say, it's pretty messed up? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty messed up. And then we look in the mirror and we say, well, I'm kind of messed up too. I, I've got, I'm broken. And so uh, how bad is that? And, and when we look at Scripture, it reveals a pretty bad picture of the world, of, of humanity, but also of ourselves. We're not going to fix ourselves. Left to our own devices, we're not going to fix this world that's around us. So what is the answer? The answer is Jesus. Amen. We were just singing about it. Uh, turn your eyes upon Jesus. And what did he do? He did this amazing sacrificial work that would cover our brokenness. We're going to talk about that uh, in our study uh, this evening. And then we talked about the power. How do we connect to the power of the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life and to live uh, in our world. And then the question that we asked last week is, now where do I connect? We, we immediately realize we can't do this on our own, right? And so we need to connect, and that's what church is. Uh, God gives his bride, the church is our place of connection, and gives us some specific ways. Our question on this weekend is this, how then shall we live? I mean, we've, so we've learned this. We've asked these questions and we've heard these things. But what does it look like uh, to be a Christ follower? Because that can be pretty confusing in itself. I was studying this and I thought, you know, where, what scripture would I go to? There are so many. <laughs> and so I settled into this scripture, which is in 2 Corinthians 5. It's a very, very powerful uh, statement about what it means to be in Christ. And so we're going to be looking at that. It's on page 966 in the edition of the Bible that's out there. If you don't own a Bible, please uh, take one of those Bibles as a gift from Faith Fellowship Church and bring that home. This is a very special passage of Scripture. It's the verse that uh, when you're ordained, you're told to, it's just kind of a tradition. You open the, your Bible, your preaching Bible, you put your hand on a verse. And this is the verse that I had my hand on both times that I was ordained. So it's very, very special to me. Uh, so let's hear the word of God as we, as we experience what God has for us uh, about the life of a Christ follower. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is 
a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he has made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of of God. Now let's stand and let's give thanks to God. Father, we thank you for your word. We don't always understand it, but God, sometimes it just pierces through the darkness, pierces through the places of confusion, the fog. <laughs> and we pray that you would do that with your word, that you would speak to us in exactly the way that each one of us needs so that we might know what it means to be in Christ and find what it is to be a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So what does it look like to live as a follower of Christ? I mean, there's a lot of kind of pictures that might come to mind. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I first became a Christian, I was all excited about figuring out how to look like a Christian. (laughs) I went out and bought some Christian stuff. Anybody else do that? I figured I got to get some Christian stuff. And so I got some bumper stickers and I got a cross to hang in my car. I didn't know what else to do. I got a plate for the front. And I began to realize, I don't think that's what it is. I think there's more to it than that. It's not just what we look like. You don't necessarily dress different. Um, What do we live like is the question. If we are followers of Christ, what do we live like? What what is the change? What are the changes that he's beginning to make within us? And so we have this amazing declaration in this scripture. In Christ, we are his new creation. I mean, he created you. He made you. He gave you biological life. But now he's given us spiritual life. And what an amazing, miraculous thing that is. God no longer sees the old person that we were. Do I hear a hallelujah? (laughs) A praise God. I mean, that's what this says. The old has passed away and behold, I love behold because it says, now don't miss this. The new has come. And this scripture states this as an accomplished fact. This is done. The old has passed away and the new has come. So when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. It's this marvelous thing, this marvelous truth. It's really hard to to grip and to understand. How is that? But it's a judicial verdict. In Christ, God has declared you not guilty. And that's really, really good. 
And therefore, he treats you as not guilty. Now, the big fancy word for that is called justification. Say that with me. Justification. And that, that's the big word for it. it. And now you're a theologian because you used a theological word. How's that? All right. Here's the big question for us. So why do I still struggle with being like my old self? I mean, things don't change immediately. Some things do. I've known people that had miraculous things. I've known people that they came to Jesus and immediately they had no more craving for the drug that they craved before. They had no more desire for the alcohol that was swamping them before. No more desire for certain, certain habits and sins. But for most of us, we find we're still struggling with the old self, right? Right? It doesn't change all at once. I remember... When I was in high school, there were about three or four of us that played guitar, and I was the worst of them. I hung out with guys a lot better than me, and, and I got better by playing guitar with people who, who were better than me, and that was a good thing. That's how you get better, and I remember this one guy. He came to Jesus, and boy, he radically came to Jesus, and he was in a, our discipleship prayer group, and we would, we would be praying, and he would pray these passionate prayers that were peppered with profanity. I mean, it was just, I mean, we, I would just wince. It was, oh, bleep, bleep, I love you so much, God. Some, sometimes those things, and I don't, I, I never doubted his sincerity, you know, but it was just this thing, and, and I can tell you who he is now. He's just an amazing amazing leader in Christian faith. But back there at the very beginning, things didn't change all of a sudden. Now his heart was changed toward God, but some of the other stuff stayed around and was hanging around. The reality is that God's verdict that he's given is still being worked out within us. In our flesh, we are still in the process of becoming the new person. That's still happening And we are still susceptible to temptation. Have you all noticed that? Yeah. Still susceptible to temptation. We still have some of the same habits. And we've already been reconciled to God through Christ. He looks at us differently. But the Holy Spirit is still having to do this work of making us more like Jesus. How many of you know that takes? How long does that take? Uh, A lifetime. Yeah, it really does. I remember we used to have this thing that we would... uh, we would say, please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. We'd put it on, a, on you know, we wear that around on a tag. How many of you would say that? Please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. And so we need to remember that. So what is the purpose of this action? What is the purpose of this declaration that we hear about? God's purpose is to reconcile the world to himself through you. He's got an assignment for you. It's an amazing thing. He has appointed you to be an ambassador for Christ. Now, last weekend, I told you that you didn't know it, but you're a priest. We have a priesthood of all believers. If you are a believer, you are a priest. You can consecrate elements. You can, you can serve the Lord's Supper in the midst of believers. You can do that. You are, you're a priest. And, and this weekend, I'm going to tell you something different. You're an ambassador. And, and, and that's a big deal. That's a big statement. That means you're representing the kingdom, representing God. And God is making his appeal. He's negotiating uh, to win people to himself through you. So we need to think about that. 
But it all starts when we are justified by faith. Verse 21, I love this. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Wow. I mean, that's just like a mystery. He made Jesus who who had no sin to be sin on our behalf so that in him we might become the righteousness of Christ. Not just have some righteousness or wear a little righteousness, but become the righteousness of Christ. It's such a huge statement. Let's read it out loud together. It's so, it's so huge. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that's justification. Justified means that we are declared to be right, righteous before God. And we receive that righteousness. The only thing you can do with it is is trust it, receive it by faith. Now you can argue it or debate it or say, I'd like to earn that. We'll get to that. You can't do that. All you can do, it's such a huge gift. It's like any gift. If I gave you a gift that's all wrapped up, all you can do is unwrap it and receive it. That's the only choice you have. And so by faith, we receive this righteousness. It's such an amazing thing. Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not at war with God anymore. Our spirit is not at war with God anymore. What good news. Now, you may not be feeling all fixed and repaired, but you're actually at peace with God. You may not be at peace with yourself. You have days like that. You may not be yet at peace with everyone around you, but you are at peace with God because he did that. It's something you could not have done. So when we talk about being justified, I, I like this. I didn't make it up, but it's something I've heard. Justified means that he made me just as if I'd never sinned. Say that with me. Just as if I'd never sinned. It's all gone. It's all washed away. His grace cleanses us whiter than snow. And that's really white. (laughs) It's just really, really pure what he gives to us, uh, what, what he offers to us. But it gets better. How could it get better? We are not just justified. I had trouble writing that phrase. How can you say just justified? It's so big. It's so huge. But listen, he, he has done more. We're not just justified. We are also being sanctified. Say that word with me. Sanctified. Oh, that's, another, that's your second big theological word of the weekend, okay? Sanctified means to be made holy, uh, to be set apart for special use. It, it's the cleanup process. You've been declared righteous, but now there's a cleanup that happens. Sanctify means made holy or like Christ from the inside out. I would call it ambassador training. What, what if you got a notification that said you are going to be the new ambassador? You've been appointed to be the new ambassador to, say, France, Okay. I mean, if I got a notification like that, is that exciting? I've never been to France. So I, but I studied French for two years in high school. I've forgotten most of that. <laughs> I've got some work. To, I, I know they got a big tower there, don't they? Yeah. And they got a l'Arc de Triomphe, you know. 
I know that, but beyond that, I've got a little bit of work to do to be able to be an ambassador, to, to be able to reach that nation. Okay, this is ambassador training. The scripture says that it's God's will that we be set apart, that we be made like Christ, sanctified. So we don't have to act or try to be good. And that's one of the big things that where we, we mess up is we, we're, we try to act good instead of letting the work of the Holy Spirit be done inside of us. It's the ongoing work of Jesus by the Holy Spirit to, as we surrender to him to make us more like him. You know, every day it would be a good question to ask Holy Spirit and ask ourselves, do I resemble Jesus more today than I did yesterday? That is the process of sanctification. But I, I'm not doing so good. I see other, don't look at other people. Do I resemble Jesus more in my spirit, in my character than I did yesterday? You see, following Jesus is not about obeying more Christian rules. And this is where we kind of get messed up. There's a famous theologian who put it this way. The biggest mistake many make on the journey as a Christ follower is to start with the outward rules of Christian living rather than the discovery of his grace. Trying hard to look like a Christian from the outside because of an emotional experience is a trap that the enemy sets regularly. You'll never do it. If you try to make yourself look more Christian, you'll fail every time. You see, it goes back to that truth that we, we, we refer to so often. We are saved by grace and not by works. But we are saved for good works. And we don't want to miss that. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. I probably read it a hundred times in, in this room. <laughs> Let's read it out loud together. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You can't make yourself good enough to come before God. But he has already made you good enough and welcome to come into his presence. Isn't that, that's the miracle. That's the gospel. That's the good news. But he doesn't stop there. Look at verse 10. We always miss verse 10. Let's read that out loud together. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's what the sanctification is, walking in the good works. What is it you want me to do? How is it that you want me to reach people? How, am I, how is my ambassador assignment for this day? The master craftsman is restoring your broken pieces with purpose and putting you to work. Now that takes time. In Christ, we are growing in him. Uh, Philippians 2, I, I love this passage. Therefore, my, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, not just because I'm watching Paul's writing, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. Not work for, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling carefully. For it is God who works in you, both to will 
and to work for his good pleasure. The fundamental posture of the Christian faith is to surrender, daily surrender to him. God, I know you want to make this change and I can't make it. I've tried, so I surrender to you. God, I know you have purpose in this relationship and you want me to share, but I don't know what to say. I surrender to you. I'm not sure what this scripture says. I don't know what it means, so reveal it to me. I surrender to you. And so we're growing in him and we're growing in love. You remember how the teachers of the law asked Jesus. They said, which commandment is most important of all? They had 613. You know, they probably all had their favorites. And Jesus answered, the most important is here. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Love God. The second is this. They didn't, they didn't ask for two. They said, ask for one. Jesus always gives you more. <laughs> you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So we're called to, to the love of God, but also to love people around us. You know, I mean, there's so many places in scripture that we could turn. John 13, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have a love for one another. How will they know I'm the ambassador? Because you love one another. How how will they know that I'm a Christ follower? Because you love one another. And when we're mean to one another and when we gossip about one another, all that kind of stuff, boy, it just erodes that witness, doesn't it? First John 4, if anyone said, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. I always loved John. The boy John was direct. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. It's the love of God in us. First John 4, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And then in practicality, I love the way Jesus put it in in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5. For if you love those who love you, if you you just get along with those who who like you back, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? That's about as low as you could get in that day. And if you greet only your brothers, only those who are like you, uh, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do that? That was... Pretty, pretty rough out there. We're also called to bring the compassion of Christ to the poor and liberty to the oppressed. At the very beginning, when Jesus declared his, his, the call that he was bringing uh, to bear uh, in Luke chapter 4, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This amazing declaration. We're called to that as well, if we are Christ followers. That's pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? But wait, there's more. I love that in the commercials. We are not conformed to this world, but we are to be transformed. Romans chapter 12 puts it this way. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your, yourself, your bodies, it means your whole self, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is what worship is. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's the only way we're going to find our way is in that place of being uh, transformed by the renewal of our mind. As a believer and a Christ follower, we might ask this question, do, do I look more like Jesus or more like the world? And sometimes we say, well, I'm trying to reach the world, so that's why I want to look like them. I want to behave like them. I want to kind of mix with them. I want to kind of talk like them. That's not what we're called to. Well, we're called to be salt and light and for that not to be diluted. And if, if, we, if our light starts to look more like the darkness than the light, then we need to be, be aware. We're, we're not changing anything in this world. We're not being a good ambassador. I'm an ambassador of the kingdom. I'm an ambassador of the light. As a believer, you are an ambassador of the light. So as a believer, we need to, to kind of watch for that and be careful with, uh, with that. We are transformed by this renewing of our mind. Jesus said a prayer. He said um, in John 17, he's praying really for, for you and for me. He said, I've given them your word. He's talking to the Father. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. We see that more and more, don't we? Believers are hated in many places. I mean, just treated in, as, in despicable ways just because we identify with Christ, just because we identify with God. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. This is where we get the understanding that we're, we're to be in the world, but not be of the world. We're not to be like the world that is around us. First Peter says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Don't go back. First John says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. It doesn't mean you can't have things and then use them for the kingdom. But when we love things more than God, that's actually idolatry. Now, when we're kind of traveling this journey, we need to watch out for two ditches on either side of the road. Uh, and, and there's one ditch, it's a legalism ditch, and the other is what I'm going to call the license ditch. And I'll explain what I mean by that. On one side of the road is the legalism ditch. And that's where we think that we're made right by obeying, by obeying the law, or, or we're loved more by doing good works. And it could be, could be the Torah. That's what happened in the, in the first century. There were those that came in and said, well, you're not really a Christian unless you obey the Torah and everything that's in it. It was taking them back into the law. But you could do the same thing with uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. If you start applying that and then you start looking around and say, you know, you're not obeying. You're not, you must not be a believer. You're not conforming. And we get into this weird thing in Christianity where we, we think if I could control the behavior of people around me. How many of you know that's futile, <laughs> for one? But it's also not what we're called to do. That's not what the ambassador does. So that's the legalism ditch uh, where we, we're, we're trying to control things that way. Here's the Bible response to that. 
Galatians 2 says, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we are justified, made right. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by works of the law, no one will be justified. How many of you know you cannot do anything, you cannot do anything that will make God love you more than he already does? Nothing. And here's why. He already gave, he gave Jesus. He gave his son. I have not given my son for anybody, okay? I mean, I give him to God, but... Uh, to think about the sacrifice given for us, it's so huge. Nobody's loved you more than God already has. And you can't make him love you more. And here's the other part of that. You can't make him love you less. Oh, but pastor, you don't know what I've done. I mean, I've, just, I've been so far. He loves you. He loves you completely and purely. There's not anything that you could do. And so receive this righteousness, receive this justification Titus 3 says, but when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration, that that means new life, making you born again, and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's good news, isn't it? But the other side of the road has what I'm going to call the license ditch. And what does that mean? Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer called it cheap grace. It's when we understand, well, there's so much grace, I don't need to worry about anything. I can do anything I want. I go do anything I want because God's grace is big enough. And this was floating around in the first century. Jude chapter 1 says... Uh, uh, verse 4 says, For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God, pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. The argument was made, and, and Paul talks about it, that it, if there is grace, then more sin means more grace. You get to the end of Romans chapter 5, it says the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Then he answers that. Here's the Bible response. Romans 6 says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? (laughs) He doesn't even give you a chance to think about it. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That's what we're called to. So what we want to be sure and get a hold of is this. God's justifying grace, this is a big statement, must not be separated from his sanctifying power. He's justified us, but he also is sanctifying us. He's making us holy. He's making us more like Jesus day by day. 
We're justified. We're, we're made right by amazing grace. That's why it's amazing. Romans 8 says, There is therefore now no... Let's read it out loud. I love this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How many times do we feel condemned? The enemy loves to, to make us feel condemned. The enemy loves to come after us and whisper the condemnations. And, and people will do that as well. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are being sanctified by the work of his Holy Spirit. So let me ask you a question. I just want to kind of conclude this a little bit differently. Where are you in this journey? We've been talking for several weeks now. I mean, have you discovered the desperate need in your life for his grace and his mercy? Because that, that's fundamental until we say, I cannot save myself and I confess that before you, oh God, I need you. We're, we're, we're not going to be born again. We're not going to be in Christ. We're not going to find the new creation. Have you surrendered to be in Christ and to receive his new creation? If you received your assignment to be an ambassador for Christ, that's huge. That doesn't mean you're going to another country. In my neighborhood, I, I'm an ambassador for Christ. And it's, there are challenges. <laughs> In every neighborhood, there are challenges. Have you surrendered to the Spirit to work in you, to sanctify you, to make you more and more like Jesus? And as, as we kind of pray and think about this, you may realize, you know, I think I may have slid into the legalism ditch, kind of judging other people and saying, you ought to behave better, or judging myself uh, in terms of behavior, or the license ditch, the, uh, where I, we've, I've done things or we've made choices, just, well, God's grace will cover it. God will forgive me. He's forgiven me before. That's just such a... It's such a damaging thing. So I want to invite you to pray uh, with me. Let's just pray together. Let's bow our heads. And I don't know what your prayer will be. It may be that you've never begun this journey. And you realize that you need to make that confession. God, I need you. I need you and I, I want you and I want what you have offered in Christ. I want this covering this justification and God I also want the sanctification the, that you would make me like Christ come into me and make me the new creation in Christ that the old would pass away the new would come make me into your new creation make me born again it may be that you realize that You've slid into one of those ditches and, and you really need to, to get out of that ditch by the strength of Holy Spirit and get back on the road to follow Christ and to become more and more like him every day. Father, we thank you so much for your great patience with us in the journey. We praise you for your mercy and your grace, the covering, the newness of life that you offer. And we receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I've also included in your notes um, the statement of our faith. Our, our statement of faith includes a statement uh, regarding Christian living. And 
I want to invite you, I think it was, it's meaningful to stand. If you would stand, let's stand and let's say this together. You don't have to say it, but um, you, you may just want to honor this moment. But let's say this. It's exactly what I've been teaching uh, for these minutes. Let's join together. We believe that God's justifying grace must not be separated from his sanctifying power and purpose. God commands us to love him supremely and others sacrificially and to live out our faith with care for one another, compassion toward the poor, and justice for the oppressed. With God's word, the Spirit's power, and fervent prayer in Christ's name, we are to combat the spiritual forces of evil. In obedience to Christ's commission, we are to make disciples among all people, always bearing witness to the gospel in word and deed. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Now, next weekend, um, we're going to be talking ab- uh, about uh, what's next. <laughs> And, and it's not just what's next in the series, but uh, the Bible tells us about what's next. Where are things going in, in the purpose of God? We call it end times. Where are things going? So we're going to talk about that next weekend.